Peter Melby came on the show in 2021 right after he sold his business to private equity after years of pushing back against investors, and we had a frank discussion about that. When we were both attending IT Nation Connect 2023, I knew I wanted to sit down and explore his perspective two years on. This episode was recorded live during that event. This is a bonus episode of The Business of Tech. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Difference. A return visitor, Peter Melby, is here with me on this bonus episode of The Business of Tech. Peter, welcome back. Thank you, Dave. Great to be here. I am super excited to talk to you because when we came on, you you had just started your sort of post-sale journey Mm -hmm. on the private equity investor side. Now, you're still an operator. We are roughly two years later. Yep. How's it going? Um, (laughs) It's great. Uh, You know, I say that. Um, I'm excited to get into the details of that. Uh, first of all, last time I think I was in my basement when we talked. I think so. Um, I think we were all in our basements, you know, yeah. at that point. So this is much better. Uh, <laughs> talk in person, you know, all that. But also, the amount that I've learned in two years is mind-boggling to myself in terms of um, just based on what I thought was capable and what I, w- w- the assumptions that I made. And in that first conversation, you know, I, I talked about the assumption that I made you know, with my MSP that I would never engage private equity because, um, you know, I didn't like the track record. You know, the what I saw, you know, was this thing that didn't serve businesses very well, you know. And so in looking at that, there's a lot, you know, that I've I've learned about the nuances, you know, of that. And, you know, as I said in the last one, I was wrong, you know, to lump everything together, um, you know, and and at the same time, you know, continuing to learn how to build service businesses in an investment world, which is, it's it's different. Well, that, that's the difference I want to understand, right? So as, as the outsider looking in, I'm desperately trying to understand the differences in the way this all works, because I, my basic thesis is, is that, okay, it's different than an entrepreneurial bootstrapped business because the motivations are different. And I assume they all the investors are slightly different, but they all look the same on the outside. Yep. So help me understand so what have what is those key learning that you've learned in the last two years about what's difference in your case? So I think that the the thing when investors love to simplify things. That's their job. You know, take a thesis, you know, predict, you know, and they're very, very shrewd at the ability to identify and see through to the results, especially private equity, which is different than venture, you know, in the sense that they're they're placing smart bets. They're going to get their money back. Um, and that's that's difficult when, to your point, the motivation, you know, all of a sudden is, I mean, the, their motivation is no, I mean, is, is all very consistent. Put money in, get more money out. Um, but what we've what I've learned and learned through the process and then subsequently since since then is the motivate the underlying motivations and understanding that and so you know we've talked a little bit about things like um, if we just look at the reality of the situation we're probably not ever going to escape 
there are things we, we, we will never escape. Yes, they put money in, they want money out. But guess what? That's all I've done for myself, you know, at the same time is like invest in myself, build a business, you know, to get, you know, more and more, you know, scale, you know, and uh, get more out of that. In the nuances of how a private equity, you know, organization or an investor is structured, you can learn a lot. Um, you know, one of the things, so, you know, I'm, uh, New Charter Technologies, you know, is, um, you know, our, our platform. Um, there are some unique things about it, but it starts at the investors, you know, level. So Oval Partners is our, our sponsor. Um, they are, you know, funded through, you know, a multifamily office, you know, which basically, so it's, there's not limited partners, you know, who invested into a specific thesis with a specific time frame. So one of the things we say is that it's patient capital and it's it's smart capital in the sense that um, timing, you know, decision making, all of that um, is very transparent. And so we can look at it and see, you know, the, the people whose money it is, we have direct lines to talk to. Now, the, the great thing about Oval Partners is that they come from very sophisticated, um, you know, so the Golden Gate Capital, Bank Capital, um, they bring that level of sophistication, but, and this was what drew them, drew us to them, you know, at the beginning, they want to invest in people businesses. And so that, that direct, you know, engagement, you know, being able to have a line of sight to what their outcome is, there's not a lot that's hidden there. Um, I'm, and I was afraid of that, you know, for a while. I was like, oh, the, the motivations are going to be, you know, I'm going to have to appease them over here and appease the customers over here and the employees over here. And if those things don't align, your business isn't going to grow, you know? And so that's what private equity was to me, you know, all along until you know, started digging into it more. So talk to me then a little bit about, about the thesis. I assume, like, like I'm not oversimplifying because it helps for the example. Like I'm assuming the good news is they're not looking to get their money back in a year. Right. I'm also assuming they're not looking to get their money back in 50. For sure. Right? Yeah. So, so talk to me about managing that portion of it because it does create some tension potentially with yep. customers and investment. Yeah. Talk to me about the thesis that you guys are working under, which I assume changes, but also it, how's it working? And honestly, it's 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 evolving because of how fast it's going. You know, if we look at our initial you know targets and and, and goals for us, we we've done twenty three acquisitions in three years. Um, we we have multiple LOIs. You know, right now we're 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 moving fast. You know, at a time where I think it's very important to move fast, but also move well. It's not just a numbers game. So the the investment thesis is it's shared because every one of those deals that we've done. You know, there, there's been an exit event, but there's also been a reinvestment. And so the you know, typically private equity will try to keep as much of the pie for them, you know, as they can with very, very limited abilities to reinvest. They know how to, they're so confident they will make the, the, the money and that is their, the, their piece of it. Opal's thesis is that you get good operators who reinvest 30% you know, in a shared ownership in the platform and continuing to operate in their markets effectively, then, you know, their investment outcome is our investment outcome, you know, and, and that's what I didn't, you know, I think most people look at, at a reinvestment like that as something where they're going to, you know, we'll, we'll take the money off the table. That's what we can guarantee. Then next part, we'll see if something happens with it, but I'm giving up control. Um, 
and I think I said this, I, I forget if I said this in the last one, uh, uh, conversation, but what I've learned most is that control is overrated. Alignment is not. And that's exactly where we have to look at it from the standpoint that can I see the motivations of everybody and are they pointing the same direction? And at the end of the day, when motivations conflict, there has to be a North Star where we look at it and say, well, that's that that's, you know, that's how we make the, the decision. So the reinvestment is key because we are on the same side of the table when it comes to to this and Oval is smart enough to know that in a people business, the people need to be aligned in that. The second thing that it gets talked about some, but not, you know, but it, 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 you know, to really validate the motivations, there's a single class of shares. Okay. And that is incredibly unique because you look at it and typically it's, we're going to get our money back first, you know, and then you know, you're still going to do well, but it's, not entirely, you know, aligned in terms of where the motivations are, timing and things like that. So I'm in a place where I feel so comfortable with that reinvestment. And if I look at what's happened in, 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 in two years, that reinvestment significantly more than my initial, you know, piece and the balance of that being able to, you know, take, I mean, to, to have the, the event that we did, you know, gives room for patience, you know, on the, this next part to make this what we have the ability to make it. The other thing that I will say is understanding how, like, how does a private equity or, you know, group or a, an investor know that they are going to make their money back, you know? And so if the thesis is a playbook that doesn't fit the industry, so you look at, you know, a lot of these, you know, especially big private equity groups, they have a playbook, you yep. know, and you can understand that, you know, especially if you look at a lot of the vendors in this space and you say, well, why, why the hell are they doing what they're doing? It's like, well, because it's the playbook, right? And, and very, you know, unapologetic, they won't ever come out and say it that directly. But these, these private equity groups, you know, th that playbook will work. You know, it might not work for the customer, but it will work for the investor. And might not work for the employees, but it will work for the investor. So in our industry, you know, as an MSP, that's where I thought that private equity was so misaligned is the fact that we are, a or people organization we're a people industry and if if you have that conflict you know that is your business that goes away if it doesn't align for the employees doesn't align for the clients and we've seen that you see that in acquisitions where people look at it and say two plus two on paper is five so yeah two plus two is three you know or in really bad situations two plus two is one and a half you know um and so in this world where where we've got shared ownership We've got alignment, you know, in terms of, of, you know, how the, the mechanics, you know, of the exit, you know, are going to play out. Then the piece is just understanding where the value add comes from. And if people don't know this industry and they don't understand that they're in a people oriented industry, that alignment, I mean, and, or that, that playbook doesn't make a lot of sense, you know? And so we look at the entire thing through, through, through the lens of, the employees, the clients, the shareholders, you know, and in this industry, you can't, you fundamentally cannot accelerate share value over a cons I mean, consistently over time if you don't prioritize employees and clients. So the question is, does the investor know that? And then what do they do 
and what's their track record of supporting and aligning those things. I would never invest, and I've, I've learned this, I would never take an investment from someone who has never invested in a service business because they're gonna look at it, especially from the technology standpoint, they're gonna look at it and say, hey, we're, you know, you're tech companies, you know, like, no, we're not. We're people, we're service companies, you know, mm -hmm. and so, so that, that alignment's been, been, you know, so germane. And I, when our team met, you know, our, our investors, because we, we do have you know, a very close uh, relationship, they said, wow, you found the only private equity group that cares more about people than they do about money. And I said, no, that's, you know, their business is caring about money. Um, they understand that in this industry, the money follows the people. And so they, they understand that they can invest in the people and that there is alignment. And it's really, it's really fun in that regard because you look at it and you say, okay, yes, there are decisions that we make because of, you know, investments and things like that. And I've learned plenty about the mechanics of, you know, hitting targets and, you know, what happens, you know, in, in, in these spaces where we have to be much tighter than we did pre-investment, you know, on these things, but it's not nearly as scary as I thought it was. So I want to throw a th uh, premise out to you and yep. I want, to, want you to react to it a little bit. So as an outsider looking in, trying to learn more and give guidance to the community and listeners and such on, on how to understand this, my premise has been that like private equity is a big label. Yes. It needs, there's a lot of subtlety that, but I think the piece to understand is you need to really understand what is the private equities thesis, time frame, and industry expertise. Tell me what you think of that thesis. So thesis, time frame, industry expertise, and underlying that, you know, is can you draw, can you connect the dots on their motiv motivations, you know, and is that something that can be transparent enough that we can have a shared North Star, you know, or that you can even understand what the North Star is. I think that's where sometimes people are so afraid to talk about, you know, the investment pieces and acquisitions you know, we, we were talking about before people you will either look at it and say they'll tell you all the good or all the bad like guess what <clears throat> the reality has good and bad it's a different good and bad than the reality without it you know and so there's not the <clears throat> i i think your premise is is spot on you know but transparency would be you know another one you know there's can you actually see you know how the the decisions are being made, why they're being made, you know, and what that looks like from a common sense perspective. Now, one of the market data pieces that I'd like to get your on the ground insight into is I'm starting to see in the data that there's a bit of this have and have nots in MSPs, right? And the PE guys are starting to actually, for the first time in the data, are accelerating. Right. Uh, legacy data said that it was performing about the same. That appears that they're good operators, they're getting smart at this, they're actually now in the latest service leadership data outperforming. That's also starting to cause there to be more of significance providers yes. and a large band of, of ones that are still developing. And in the middle, an increasingly less group of population. It's true. You're seeing it and, and, and is that impacting your ability to continue to grow? Because part of your growth strategy is, is acquisition, acquisition and are you seeing it? Tell me what's going on in the field. Yeah. So one of the things that we've done, um, de definitely seeing that, you know, there, the market is hot. So solid organizations are in a position, you know, to the, they're in a great, great spot, you know, to do something. And there's a lot of competition out there. 
you know um we, we don't mind the competition because every you know thesis is a bit different every situation is a bit different um but what we are seeing is that you know the really great companies are there's not an endless supply and especially scale you know we're we're looking for companies five million in revenue you know a million in ebitda you know and and higher um who with with you know a leader who wants to continue their entrepreneurial journey you know and so that's a unique set but what we're also recognizing is that in this this game of building a forever company that we have an opportunity to in to to help build that up the the companies that aren't quite there yet and so you're right about the split in a lot of those things the question is going to be who can cultivate the growth of the organizations into their place so we we have a, a methodology called front row runner you know and we assess maturity you know things like that so we have a lot of people that come in we gonna say yeah well, you're not quite there but these aspects of the business are really strong and let's actually invest you know in, in or help you connect some dots hey do this and then you're in the window and so i think that's going to be really important is actually transforming the companies on the early side of that otherwise you're going what you're going to have is a lot of immature companies that are smashed together with other immature companies and they don't equal a mature company you know, so I think that's going to be the next evolution of this is let's get people to, you know, let's actually invest to get people to that right space. And then, you know, and, and that's what, what we're having a lot of fun doing right now. So last question, and I want to get a little bit of sort of from the field insights, yeah. right? So I'm looking at tons of, we're all looking at AI, we're all looking at transformation. How much is, you're running a sophisticated service provider that is very close to your customers. How much are you seeing uh, actual field stuff, discussions, framework discussion, wh what's happening in the on the ground yeah. as it relates to the technology? So we we do this thing with our clients, we call vision casting. So we have 4,000 managed clients. Getting data from 4,000 clients as opposed to, you know, 300 clients, you know, it, it is, is so interesting because we have a critical mass, you know, in that. Where and, and so we get to, we we start to see how our our clients are thinking you know themselves you know about things. We also then have eleven hundred employees, so the the amount of brain power you know that's out there and interest in in figuring those things out is also significant. The problem we have is coordinating that into something that actually you know is you know innovation you know moving forward rather than just a bunch of people tinkering and, and having ideas because you put a bunch of smart people in a room you don't automatically get a smart output um you get a lot of activity so what we're looking at you know we we've got a task force you know we've we we pull from the the people who are boots on the ground in these things not just people who look at it and say oh I, ai is going to be the future let's let's go go, go do all, all all of this and being able to share and, and, and get feedback, you know, and really crowdsource experience, you know, from that gives the leadership the ability to look and say, Hey, let's, let's figure out how to make AI or these, you know, you know, these technological advancements, actual, you know, advancements, not just things we talk about, buzzwords, you know, all of that. We just did a thing on digital transformation because I hate that term so much. You and me both. And so <laughs> it was like, and, and, uh, put out a little video making fun of it, you know, because the realize, can we just call it modernizing your business? Like you're, you've been doing that forever. You know, let's not put big terms and big, you know, we've got a methodology for it, um, but we have to be able to, to get that, that, that 
information, you know, in the right way, synthesize it, you know, and then, you know, move it forward. And so that's, it's fun to learn to do that at scale, but it's not automatic. Like it has to be coordinated, you know, it's, it's got to be coordinated, you know, in, in order to find that impact. Well, Peter, this has been fascinating. Really appreciate you joining me. And, and I'm Absolutely. looking forward to this again in, say, another 18 months. We'll Perfect. check in again. Can't wait. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Thanks yeah. Peter. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Form your business. The Business of Tech is written by me, Dave Sobel, under ethics guidelines posted at businessof.tech. This episode was edited and produced by Picture This Video. If you like the content, please make sure to hit that like button and follow and subscribe. It's the free and easy way to support the show and help us grow. You can also check out our Patreon, where you can join the Business of Tech community at patreon.com slash MSP radio, or buy our Why Do We Care merch at businessof.tech. Finally, if you're interested in advertising on the show, visit mspradio.com slash engage. Thanks for listening today, and I will talk to you again on the next episode of The Business of Tech. Part of the MSP Radio Network.